you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fearless Business Podcast, another episode, and I've got a fantastic guest today. We are going to be learning about processes, uh, which I'm so so excited about being a geek myself, enjoying uh, getting systems and processes uh, integrated with technology. But my guest today is uh, none other than Sharon Cully, uh, who is helping entrepreneurs with big growth goals realize that there is a substantial gap between where they are now and where they want to be. So Sharon Cully is the owner and founder of Simply Processes, and she knows the best way to close that gap that is through a clear, robust vision. Uh, So welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, Sharon. Thank you, Robin. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Me too. So um, I I don't normally do the, oh, so tell me about yourself intro. Uh, There was one thing which you put in your application to come onto the podcast, uh, which was around um, uh, how you actually measure success. And I want to just jump straight into that if that's okay and I like the term which you used in your and and uh, when you when you um, asked to come onto the show um, that it is not always measured in dollar terms so tell me how you came to that conclusion and what the alternatives are sure so there are quite a few different measures that you can use um, to determine your success um, it really depends on what your personal goals are and um, of course in business we often think about the the dollars or the pounds but there are so many other lifestyle related uh, measures of su- success particularly for business owners um, what I see is that so many people uh, entrepreneurs are getting stressed working long hours and what I love about what I do is I help those business owners to reduce their hours, to focus in on the important things and delegate the things that they really shouldn't be doing so that their hours go down, their stress levels go down, and then they can spend time growing their business or going on holiday or spending more time with their family. So I will go through that with with business owners right at the very beginning and ask them, what are you looking for in your life um, as well as in your business? And we will actually do some measures. We'll we'll do a scale from one to 10, how they're feeling about their stress levels and how they're feeling about their the hours that they're doing um, right at the beginning. And then several weeks into the program, I'll check again and see whether that's reduced. So that's how I go about measuring those um, those elements that aren't related to making money. I'm I'm so pleased that you say that because there are there's normally three options which I give um, business owners, which is one: do you want to um, you know work with the same number of clients but double your income? That one's sometimes quite a popular choice. The second option I give people is: well, do you want sort of half the number of clients but the same amount of income? So it's not necessarily in, always income related, like making more money, but actually if you could just get a bit of extra time back to spend with your family, like you said, go on holiday and do some of the good stuff, um, then that's that's how we should be winning. Uh, and I, I, I think you're probably in a similar camp to me. So a lot of people who are going to be listening to this, coaches, consultants, and people like that, um, where they're kind of working all of the hours under the sun, 
and, um, you know, maybe only getting kind of booked like four or five days work a month, but they still find themselves working 20 days a year, doing all of the marketing things, all of the sales things, all of the, the things basically that we're all told to do as business owners, but yet they know they're doing it wrong, potentially, yet they mm. can't quite let go. So how do you, what's the first step in helping somebody to let go and maybe start to systemize and input, you know, create processes um, for, for somebody in that situation? Mm, yeah, very good question. And something that many business owners struggle with, because of course, if you've been um, in control of pretty much everything in the business for uh, since the beginning, it's quite hard to let go and accept that other people can do these tasks, some of these tasks that really aren't serving you to do them yourself. Um, so I'll, I'll take a few different approaches depending on what's important or what seems to be front of mind for, for the uh, individual. Uh, one of them is to highlight, I guess, the what the money that they're losing by doing some of the, for example, admin tasks that they could hire somebody for £20 an hour to do. Um, they're doing them and they could be making sales calls, which could be bringing them 200, 300 pounds an hour. So there's a sort of straight money uh, related point there. And the other thing, I guess, is just giving them the opportunity to try it out. So have a think about what is it that um, could be delegated to, to someone else and then just try it for a bit and see how it feels accept that it won't be done exactly the same way as, as they do it themselves. But that's where processes come in. You can write down exactly how you want it done, check in with the individuals and make sure it's happening that way. And to be honest, quite often improvements can be made with people who come in and know that area better than the owner, um, which may not be a strength for the owner. And then they can actually enhance that process and make it run even more smoothly. One of the, uh, it's so funny what you say, because I've got a, a coach on my team who um, was working with a, they're a multi-million pound business and he was working with the CEO to help improve his business. And they worked out that the CEO was responsible for um, bringing in a thousand pounds an hour into the company, right? If you took, took the turnover of the company, divide it roughly by 2000, you get like, you know, the hourly rate, which this CEO is not necessarily making, but responsible for. Mm-hmm. And what this guy was doing was, um, driving out to go and pick up goods for his factory um, because it was he, re- he worked out that it would save them 50 bucks on you know, sh- shipping, postage, basically. So he was driving out an hour and a half, bringing his stuff back another hour and a half, so three hours out of the office just to save 50, 50 pounds. Right? And um, it was actually costing his business 3,000 pounds for him to save 50 pounds. And this right. is just the mind boggles that we make these dumb mistakes in our businesses. And yeah. I think part of the reason for that is when you're, when you're running a small business, like a lot of our listeners will be doing, you don't really notice it. It's not on a scale that is kind of like, is noticeable. But a personal thing, I'm, I'm in the process of um, sort of taking on a, another VA at the moment. And I was, I was, I've always got stuck in that cycle of what do you give them? Do I give them the stuff that I don't want to do? Or do I actually give them stuff, make them responsible for revenue generating things. Mm. And um, that was a real turning point for me when I realized that actually I could give them high value stuff that's going to bring money into the business that I don't have to be responsible for. So mm. that, that exercise of showing people how much it's costing them, 
making these dumb mistakes uh, and how much it's actually costing their business. I'm curious though, and this is probably a slight curve, but what, what other sort of dumb mistakes do you see people making in businesses? We're like, no, don't do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me think. Um, I guess one is around um, hesitating in making a, a real transformation to the business um, because they are worried about whether their team will get on board with them. So that kind of worry about managing people in the team who may be resistant to change, and of course that that is going to happen anyway, but um, basically thinking, oh, okay, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid doing that because it just it's an uncomfortable space for them to be in. So that's something that I do kind of find pops up um, from time to time. Um, other mistakes... There, yeah, there, there are a few. Um, that, that one I call the cost of inaction, basically. Yes, it's like, yeah. if, you, if you do this thing, the business will make another 50 grand a year. If you, yeah. if you don't do this thing, like you're just, that's just, that lack of action has just cost you 50,000 pounds. Yes. Whereas it might be a decision over spending 500 quid or 1,000 pounds or something like that. And so people can't, and it, I think it's that process of like looking into the future and, and working out, like you can't see it because you, you make the best decisions with what you know right now. Yes. And I think um, that lack of vision is, uh, is one of the hardest things for businesses to kind of overcome. And you talk a lot about setting goals and it strikes me that actually setting the right goals and kind of being able to break it down is a good way to start, you know, taking the right action. So talk mm-hmm. to me about, um, your process for helping your clients to set goals and, and then how they go about reaching them. Mm. Yes. And this is actually one that ties in with your earlier question around, I guess, mistakes that are commonly made. Um, Setting a vision is such a a common thing in the corporate world for big businesses to do. And um, I'm seeing that uh, a lot of small businesses just don't get around to doing it or don't see the value in, in doing that. And so what happens there is it's very difficult to give your team direction when you don't have a relatively long-term goal in mind, sort of medium to long-term, about three to five years out. And so that's the first thing that I'll, I'll look at with, with the business owner is let's sit down and talk about a vision. What, what do you see your company doing in the next, um, next three to five years? And there's a range of things here. It could be that they'd like to grow their business. Maybe they'd like to double their business. Maybe they'd want to triple or, or 10 exit, but they're actually afraid of, of voicing that because they don't see it as being possible. So that's the first thing um, that I do. But also there are other uh, goals like uh, wanting to sell your business uh, in a few years time, or uh, indeed just to reduce the number of hours that you're working, like we were talking about before, just to have a, a better work-life balance. So what I like to do is, is spend some time talking through with them on their own personal goals and business goals and, and bring that together. So that's absolutely the very first step, which then gives direction to, to the business. The next step is coming up with an action plan. So this is where you want to understand where are you now and where do you want to be and how do we close that gap? And so there are lots of different ways to to take action, to make an action plan. But one that I found to be really successful is putting processes in place. And really what I found is if you put the work in, that you will be successful with with processes um, 
in terms of reaching your, your business goals, especially when it comes to growing your business. Um, you're talking about a big transformation normally um, to double your business. That takes uh, you know a lot of a lot of work. So putting that action plan into place and the the method that I use called Work the System has got a lot of um, all structure already in place to help to um, bridge that gap between where you are now and where you want to be in the future. And then, the th sorry, go ahead. No, no, go for it. Go up for it. You're about to give us the third thing. So go for yes. it. Yes. Third step. Uh, that is where you want to implement the action plan. And this is the most difficult step. So the first two are really paper exercises. They are important, but they're just theory at this point. When you go ahead and, and actually take action, that's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. And this is where you can't really put the action plan into place without your team. You have to get your employees involved and they will be the people that make or break the success of the uh, of that change. And I've written a white paper about how to bring your team along on a journey of um, transforming, transforming your business to help people to understand how they can get their team involved and make it much easier than some people feel it is to... Um, to bring their team on that journey. Is that um, white paper available on your website? Yes, uh, I'll actually be um, offering it to your listeners um, at the end of the end of the session as well. There's a, a welcome page for them to awesome. go and, and pick it up. Great, excellent. We'll make sure as well that we get a, a link to that in the show notes as well so people can actually access that because that sounds absolutely fascinating. The one I had a comment that I was going to make midway through that, which was about um, uh, the, the analogy is like the Martin Luther King thing. You know, imagine if he'd stood up and said, I have a plan. Like nobody would have been <laughs> like, you know, so you've got to have the visionary, you've got to have the people to execute it. And I'm glad that you made the segue nicely there because there is a big gap, isn't there, between um, the person at the top of the business who is setting the vision for it and then who is actually gonna you know implement it and in martin luther king's case you know he came up with dream he but there was a whole team of people beneath him who were then or not beneath him but you know what i mean who were then uh executing on the plan to achieve that dream hmm. uh, so i think it is so relevant now you've got a, a lot of experience actually in doing this i was looking at your um your your history you've worked with the likes of coca-cola diageo GlaxoSmithKline, like big blue chip fmcg companies so you've you've been at the coalface um and so how long have you worked within those industries and at what point did you start to think do you know what there's other people that could benefit from this mm, so i worked for most of my career um in those blue chip companies and quite a number of them actually I started um, getting into contract work around 2013, and that's when I noticed that I could really start honing in on the type of work that I really enjoyed doing and really saw the benefit of, and that's getting processes in place, mainly in supply chain, which is my background forecasting and customer service. But um, I was really enjoying seeing the, the benefits, the results of, of helping businesses, still quite big businesses at this point, putting um, processes in place, getting the, the groundwork laid uh, to enable them to work far more efficiently and, uh, and reach those, those goals, uh, those um, growth goals. So I did that for, for a few years and, and enjoyed that kind of opportunity and, and the freedom that comes with contracting as well. 
And then it was about a couple of years ago that um, my coach, a business coach, was sort of throwing around some ideas and she asked whether I had thought about setting myself up as a consultant and helping small businesses to do the same thing. And it really wasn't something that I'd considered at all. Um, it's a, a very big step, as, as we were talking about before um, we went on air. It's probably the, the biggest step that I've taken with my career to move away from the safety of the corporate world into um, being um, an entrepreneur myself. But I could see that there would be benefits to bringing that to small businesses because they just don't have the benefit of the types of training programs and access to resources that bigger companies have. You know, you have a lot of consultants coming in and training specialists and all those sorts of things that I, I looking back, I took for granted as, um, as an employee. But um, smaller businesses just don't have access to that. And um, I love the idea of helping those entrepreneurs out in areas that um, they may be struggling with. It's um. What was it that um? Like, go with me on this question, and I hope it's not too. Was there a point? Cause you've been you set the company up sort of eighteen months ago, or made that shift eighteen months ago. Is there one moment you can kind of remember where you're just like, "Fuck it, I'm just going to go for it." Yeah, let me think. I think uh, when my coach suggested it, a light kind of went on at that point. Actually, it was one of those moments where I don't know that I would have had that thought for well, quite some time um, after, if ever. So it was really out of the blue and just kind of felt right. It felt like a good idea. I guess looking back, I didn't realize how much effort would be required to to set it up, um, which is probably a good thing. Um, I think if you really know how um, how much of a challenge it can be and really as much as anything, a mindset challenge more than anything. Um, I may have hesitated in, in moving forward, but at that point, I felt really quite excited about that idea of um, going into business for myself and having that freedom to both have the, the lifestyle flexibility, but also to be able to focus on my strengths and to be able to make a difference to, to people and uh, make a, a positive change to to the people that I was working with. So yeah, that, that was probably the moment that happened. Cool. Cause I call that like the, the uh, well, a, a friend of mine actually coined the, coined the phrase, well, everybody knows about it, but it's that typically there is an oh shit moment where you're just like, oh shit, I've just got to bloody do this thing. Yeah. And I, um, I, the reason I asked that question is because there are a lot of people who are going to be listening to this podcast, you know, potentially in the group who are consulting at the moment or contracting and looking to make that, take that, you know, next step, what's that, you know, that leap of faith where you have to, effectively you're changing your client base, your customer. And like you said, you've been so reliant, not reliant, but you've, you've worked so intensively with a group of people. And now it's like, Oh, step outside my comfort zone and shift over here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I kind of want to just tackle that. You said that there were some elements of setting up, you know, in those early months of it being like hard work, not what you expected. So if you're happy to share, like, tell us about what that journey looked like and both the ups and the downs, if there were some in there, I'd be really interested to know. Mm, sure. Happy to share that. I guess for me, um, sales and marketing was the biggest challenge for me. And it continues to be something that I'm learning um, all the time. It is... The, the, yeah, it's a big challenge. And I, I think this is true for, for many entrepreneurs, but uh, I came from the supply chain world. So it was very much um, 
kind of structured and I and also being in the corporate world, I knew what I was going to be doing every day. What I found challenging um, to start with and to a degree even now is starting the day going, what is it that's going to be the most important thing that I can work on today? What's going to make the biggest impact and grow my business, get more clients um, for me, aside from the, the work that I was doing, of course, with existing clients? And so that has been the, I guess, the biggest challenge for me is working out which direction to go in and also accepting that I might not choose the right task for the day or direction for a while, but to understand that it's all an experiment. Um, Got to try some things out. Sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it won't. More often than not, it doesn't in the beginning, to be honest, because for me, I was starting from the ground. I didn't have really any contacts in the small business world. I, I worked in the corporate world my whole career. And it turns out that virtually all of my contacts have similar backgrounds. They don't have a you know big network of, of small business owners. So, so that was um, a bit of a wake up for me um, to realize that it would take quite a bit for me to to be able to um, get out there and network in as many different ways as possible. I'm, I, I know that that's going to resonate with a lot of people listening because um, it's one of the most common problems, challenges, which people you know come up against. And I have, I, have, I have several theories around this. And the first one is that, you know, when I was first building websites back in 2004, like you had a website and Google, and those were the two things that you played with. And you fast forward to that. I mean, think about it. Zuckerberg was still in this pants building Facebook in 2004, right? Nowadays, there are so many different platforms and the whole marketing uh, marketplace has shifted dramatically from a marketing perspective. And it's difficult to know exactly where to kind of put your time and energy. And I think people that creates this common misconception that the internet is like global marketplace, you know, world at your fingertips and et cetera, et cetera. But actually it's just made it really confusing and, and sales and marketing is never finished. It is a constant flywheel that you have to keep on just spinning and, and, you know, uh, kind of create that momentum going and uh, you know that that hearing you say that that was something which you kind of had to come to realize and accept that that's just the way it is and we're going to get mm. things wrong and that's okay and that's how we get feedback and that's how we improve and i think that's one of the things about processes especially um it is it is a constant process of improvement you can put the system in place but I know what you're going to tell me next is that actually you shouldn't, that's, it's never finished. Um, mm -hmm. So there's an iterative approach to like improving those, those systems and processes. Is yeah. that, does that create, I'm just curious now and um, I hope it's okay to ask, do you think there's an element of like people put systems and processes in and then become complacent? They, they come to rely on them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I certainly saw that in bigger businesses and small businesses as well, where it's, it's a big effort to get those processes set up um, at the beginning. So there's a lot of heavy lifting that happens right at the beginning. And then you start to see the benefits um, slowly but surely, sometimes relatively quickly, actually, as processes um, start to be put into place. And the workload does tail off. Um, towards the end of, of the project. And so you sort of think, oh, thank goodness, you know, that was a big amount of work, big project, and now we're good, we're set up, we're, we're set for life now. And that is a, is a bit of a mistake. Um, 
like I say, I've seen that in bigger businesses. You get these big process documents that just sit on somebody's desk um, gathering dust. And I think it's probably worse for bigger businesses because there are just so many more processes involved. But the, the key really is to, as you say, keep keep working on those those processes and and the businesses that do this best actually have incentives for their employees to go in and look at them every however often you decide so whether, whether it's every week every month set aside a number of hours even if it's one hour a month for example to review those documents and look at improvements and and you can measure people on that um, how many improvement changes did they make, for example, you can sort of uh, go as as in depth or keep it as, as high level as you like. But that um, that has proven to be pretty successful. Because that was going to be uh, my you've answered the question, I think, um, ahead of me. So I was like, yes, that's perfect. Because <laughs> I was going to ask you, how do you how do you coach and incentivize and motivate somebody to want to stay accountable and to you know, if things start to go wrong, if the process starts to break down, how do, rather than them going, oh God, it's not working anymore, like, and feeling like there's a big lump of work, how do you get them motivated to keep on wanting to like improve those processes? Mm, there's a couple of ways. Uh, one is to put it into their um, performance review, for example, so make it quite formal that it's one of their KPIs, one of their measures, uh, and that certainly gets attention, of course, as, as um, any measure will will create that, um, that attention. But the other thing you can do is just as a leader, as, as the, the owner and your leadership team as well, to keep bringing it up in, in meetings as an important factor in running the business. So making sure that people are looking at the the vision for the business on a regular basis and tying in processes where there are issues that come up, making sure as a leader that those are being looped back into the process documents and being updated. So those are the two kind of key ways that uh, I've seen um, used successfully. See, I, 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 again, I've got some thoughts on this that I, I, you know, there's, there's an element if you put it into a performance review, and I don't mean to be controversial here that actually there's a bit of carrot and stick going on there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and whether, you know, whether there is a better way. And I look at things like the, you know, bounty programs, for example, on uh, big SaaS, like software as a service tools, where if you find a bug, you, you get a bounty for it. And so people are proactively going out there and it's kind of gamified it a little bit. You get a reward mm. for being, being interested in it, being like a geek around like these things. So I, I wonder whether there's, a, there's a, something similar which could be introduced. Like you want people to show up and find ways of making that process 3% better. And they know they're going to get like, I don't know, a load of Amazon vouchers dumped on their desk because they've done the right thing by the business. And little things like that, I think, could, could reward people. As a, as a small business owner, though, where... Um, now it's kind of just you and or maybe a VA and or a small team uh, creating that same level of like motivation when you've got all of this other stuff going on is quite hard. So how does that, how does it also relate to kind of small business where we're starting to implement or introduce processes into our business? Yeah. So the danger of being um, distracted by other projects and other shiny things that are going on, which I think we're all susceptible to to doing, and that is definitely one of the um, the key things that can derail this kind of project. Getting processes in place, it's it's not putting enough time 
in the diary, so not giving employees kind of the time to be able to work on processes. And also, I guess, not giving them the incentive to, to do it and um, make it worth their while. So, yeah, there's, I guess, where it has worked better is, or it can work much better, is if the, the business owner, like I say, really gets behind the, um, the project and make sure that people aren't diverted into other projects um, to a degree that it, they're not working on the process work at all. Because let's be honest, putting processes in place is, is not the sexiest of, of activities. You know, like that, I completely understand that. There's marketing, there's other sort of sales initiatives that are going to be much more interesting. But if the owners and the um, leadership team are fully behind it and really understand the benefits that can be achieved and keep on on target with that, keep reminding the team that um, we need to stay focused and make sure that at least a certain amount of time is dedicated to it every week, then there will be the results that they're looking for long-term. Well, and, and the payoff as well is if they put a bit of time into getting this right, they get more time to spend over here on the glamorous sales and marketing stuff that they all seem to love doing. So That's you know, right. it's, there's, a, there's a win-win if you, if you do implement this. Yes, a bit of hard work up front, but when it's in place, it's, it's much better. I'm curious, you, you've obviously worked with some amazing businesses over the last 18 months. If you're willing to share, what sort of results are you getting for your clients? What, what can people expect to see if they implement their processes properly? Yeah, so it's... It is a bit mixed, depending on how well the the business really goes after um, putting processes in place. So, as as we were just talking about, um, it's very easy for businesses to get a bit distracted. So, um, I've had some businesses that have taken a long time to get really up and running and to start to see results. It's taken quite a bit of, um, I guess, pushing from my perspective to to get them to put time in the diary. So those businesses have have seen, I guess, the result of, you know, what you put in, you get out um, and not being um, where they'd like it to be. But they do understand that it's up to them um, to get the result that they're looking for. I can um, give them the tools to be able to do that, but they need to do the work. But other businesses uh, that I've worked with have really started to see the benefits already. And Cool. Tell, uh, tell us more. So just, to, I guess, a very high level, um, starting to see the um, in, increased sales. So one business is um, looking that um, they were looking to improve their sales revenue by um, about 50% um, in two years. They're now a few months in and are starting to see the benefits, seeing some, some improvements. So that's great. They're, they're already on track. They're also um, reporting some reduction in stress levels and uh, in hours worked. So it's sort of early days, but um, seeing some positive results. I mean, that, that's great because I know that obviously at the start, we were kind of like, you can't just measure um, success based on dollar figures. However, I've always found that the money side of things, like we don't want to shy away from talking about it, but it is generally speaking, it's, it's the simplest measure 
Um, but I always see it as a bit of a byproduct of doing things right. If you get, if you do things right in a business, naturally it's, you're either, you don't necessarily have to increase the turnover, but at least if productivity is, is more efficient, you save some money. So there are like financial benefits to it and we shouldn't shy away from that. I think, um, being able to show a reduction in stress, that is a great holistic measure. I I love that. And there'll probably be other things around people's confidence, their desire to show up to work and do a good job and all of those other good things um, that should be happening in a work in, in the workplace um, that we should be more willing to measure the success of tech in a business on. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm down with what you're doing here. I think it's great. And as a kind of um, a closet geek here, I love my numbers. I love my, I love my processes. I love automating stuff when Zapier especially like shows me how many zaps I've run over a course of week. I'm like, Woo-hoo! how can I do more next week? So um, listen, it's, it's been super interesting. We're kind of um, coming to towards the end, but I've got a couple of questions which I just want to ask you. So the first one is, if you were to um, hop into the Fearless Business Time Machine with me, um, we're going to go back 10 years. So you're now speaking to Sharon minus 10 years. What what would be the one piece of advice that you'd give yourself 10 years ago? I would say it would be just to chill out a bit, um, to not worry quite so much um, about what the future holds. Um, I was I was pretty happy 10 years ago, but I think I was um, a little anxious about um, how to make the right decisions and how to um, make sure that um, my life turned out the way I'd like it to. But really, it's, it's um, not as difficult as I expected. Um, and uh, I, I think it would be good to know for me, younger me to know that if you follow your heart and, and the things that you enjoy doing, um, follow the things that are a strength, then everything will work out. Brilliant answer. I think that's the first time we've had that sort of heart-led answer as well, which I absolutely love. Definitely get behind that. Uh, Cool. So we've got, um, uh, you mentioned about the white paper, which we're obviously going to drop a uh, link into the show notes. Um, And also I'd encourage anybody who's listening. So if you're getting to a point in your business where you are feeling uh, stressed, or maybe your team are feeling super stressed, uh, you're working all hours under the sun. Maybe you don't feel that you're being justly rewarded for the amount of effort you're putting into your business. Probably sounds to me like you need some help with your processes and your systems. And somebody like Sharon would be the perfect person to come in and help you to do that. Uh, Sharon does offer a free 45 minute session with any business that is looking to scale up. So I'd encourage you to jump on and book that. And we'll also include a link so you know how to book it. Um, we've got, so, so Sharon, how can people get hold of the, um, the white paper and also how can people find you on social media? Sure. So um, I've set up a welcome page for your listeners, and that is um, www.simplyprocesses.com forward slash fearless business. And you'll find in there the white paper on um, those change management tips that I mentioned, and also that 45 minute session that uh, you talked about as well uh, to help you scale up your business. And then you can also get in contact by email, uh, Sharon at simplyprocesses.com. And I've got a website there of that same name. And you can find me on LinkedIn under Sharon Cully. Cool. That's awesome. One very final question, Sharon. Um, If somebody's struggling to get excited about processes, okay, what is the one in, in like two or three sentences, what is the one thing that you would say to them to get them like, I've got to do this? 
I would say to them, first of all, uh, if you want to get the growth results uh, that you want for your business, then this is pretty much a guaranteed way to do it. You just need to keep going and put the work in. And also, if you want to have more of a life and uh, have time with your family, reduce your working hours, then this is also um, almost guaranteed to, to get you there. It's just putting that work in and getting some help along the way. Superstar. What a great answer. Sharon, it has been an absolute pleasure. I, there were some golden nuggets in there um, and I'm so grateful for you taking the time out to come on to the Fearless Business Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Robin. I've enjoyed it. 